Are you looking forward to the return of Christ? And if so, are you talking about the day of the Lord? Are you talking about what he does when he takes charge of all the governments on the planet? What exactly do you mean by the return of Christ? What will Jesus do when he does return? And what are some of the prophecies that we can look into in the Bible to find out about his return? How will the earth be transformed starting the day his feet stand on the Mount of Olives? Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. We're going to start today in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. So here we go. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. That's good news. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. This is talking about Jesus. Verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of slavery, that's one thing Jesus will do right there, and lift the heavy burdens from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. No more oppressors. Good. Just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian, the boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war, will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. Verse 6, For a child is born unto us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. It doesn't rely on us. That's good. And that's as far as I want to go there. Now, let's go to Psalm chapter 72, starting at verse 1. Here's the way it reads in the NLT. Give your love of justice to the king, O God, your righteousness to the king's son. Help him judge your people in the right way, and let the poor always be treated fairly. May the mountains Yield prosperity for all, and may the hills be fruitful. Help him defend the poor 
and rescue the children of the needy to crush their oppressors. May they fear you as long as the sun shines, as long as the moon remains in the sky, yes, forever. May the king's rule be refreshing like spring rain on freshly cut grass, like the showers that water the earth. May all the godly flourish during his reign. Well, his reign's going to last forever, so their flourishing would as well. May there be abundant prosperity until the moon is no more, which is forever. May he reign from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Desert nomads will bow before him. His enemies will fall before him in the dust. The kings, the western kings of Tarshish and other distant lands will bring him tribute. The eastern kings of Sheba and Seba will bring them uh, or bring him gifts. All kings will bow before him and all nations will serve him. Verse 12, chapter 72, Psalms. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him, and he will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and the needy, and he will rescue them. He will redeem them from the oppression and violence, for their lives are precious to him. Long live the king. May the gold of Sheba be given to him. May the people always pray for him and bless him all day long. May there be abundant grain throughout the land, flourishing even on the hilltops. May the fruit trees flourish like the trees of Lebanon, and may the people thrive like the grass of the field. May the king's name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun shines. May all nations be blessed through him and bring him praise. Praise the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does such wonderful things. Praise his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Then at the bottom Last verse, verse 20, he he puts a, a parenthetical quote. This ends the prayers of David, the son of Jesse. So see, it starts out being written by Solomon and ends up being one of David. I think they co-wrote it together. It sounds a lot in the end like David. Now... Let's head on over to Daniel, chapter 7, starting in verse 9. You'll remember this is Daniel's vision of the four beasts. In verse 9, he writes, I watched as thrones were put in place, and the Ancient One sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow, and his hair like the purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire, and a river of fire was pouring out. 
flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session and the books were opened. I continued to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. And then dropping down to verse 13. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man, this is Jesus, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One, that's God the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world, so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Verse 18, But in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom, and they will rule forever and ever. That, I believe, to be you and me, though we are Gentiles, perhaps. In verse 21, As I watched, this horn was waging war against God's holy people and was defeating them, that is, until the Ancient One, the Most High, came and judged in favor of his holy people. Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. Then he said to me, This fourth beast is the fourth world power that will rule the earth. It will be different from all the others, and it will devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. Its ten horns are ten kings that will rule that empire. Then another king will arise, different from the other ten, who will subdue three kings. Then he will defy the Most High and oppress the holy people of the Most High, and he will try to change their sacred festivals and laws, and they will be replaced under his control, or actually placed under his control for a time, time, and half a time, But then the court will pass judgment and all his power will be taken away and completely destroyed. Verse 27. Then the sovereignty, the power, the greatness of all kingdoms under heaven will be given to the holy people of the Most High God. His kingdom will last forever and all rulers will serve and obey him. Verse 28 says, That was the end of the vision. I, Daniel, was terrified by my thoughts, and my face grew pale with fear, but I kept these things to myself. And that's the end of chapter 7. Now let's take a look at Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 30. Actually, let's go ahead and start in verse 29. This is when Mary was visited by the angel and predicted what she was going to do and how she was going to birth Jesus. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean after he gave her her greetings. He said, 
Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. She was confused by that. What do you mean by that? He said, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age, and people used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Unquote. Of course, as you remember, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's flip over to Matthew 24 for a few verses. Starting in verse 14, we read, But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not even go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. And how terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days, and pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish at that time than at any time since the world began, and it will never be that great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is cut short, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened, for the sake of God's chosen ones. And let me just interject there that Jesus will not come back until it gets that bad. Then in verse 23, Then if anyone tells you, Look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great wonders and signs so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. This is why I have warned you about this ahead of time. And there's still more things for, uh, or that Jesus is predicting here that have to happen before his return and before the rapture. Uh, let's see, we are at verse 26. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't go back and look. Or, look, he's hiding here. 
Don't believe it, for as the lightning that flashes from the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. And I've said this many times before, the world, the atmosphere of the earth will be blackened, darkened, as he says in just the next verse or two. Just as the gathering of the vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. Remember what he said in uh, John 9 and verse 4, the night comes when no man can work. Yeah, that's because it's dark outside. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 30, Matthew 24. Then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. Then they will see the sign, or the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And here's the rapture verse, verse 31. He will send out his angels with the sound, the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of earth and heaven. Unquote. In verse 37, he says, When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Remember he said that the end would come like a flood? In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the day, the time that Noah entered his boat or his ship. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And that's the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Dropping down to verse 44, he says, You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. If we're expecting the rapture imminently or at any time now, then that's not when he will come. He will come when least expected. Verse 44, a faithful and sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of everything he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while? So he begins to have parties and get drunk and beat up some of the other servants. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut that servant into pieces, assigning him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's drop down to chapter 25, and we'll get into what happens when he does get here and brings his kingdom. Verse 14 is where we'll start. Chapter 25, Matthew. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. 
He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who had received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used the money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more, and he said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then that servant came who had the one bag of silver. And he said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plant them, and gathering where you did not straw or or sow. I was afraid, so I, or I didn't want to lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. See, here it is. You get your money back. He must have thought himself doing good. Verse 26, But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant! If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the second death that you read about in Revelation 20 and verse 14 and other places like Ezekiel 28, Jeremiah 51, verses 39 and 57. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, this is verse 31, Matthew 25, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. He is not rapturing people into heaven to get them out of their responsibilities. No, He's coming here, and he'll sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
He will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you came to visit. Then these righteous ones will reply, But Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and came to visit? And the king will say, this is verse 40, chapter 25, Matthew, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Wow. Then the king will turn to those on the left, and he'll say, Away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. It's permanent, folks. It's permanent. Death. Permanent death. Unconscious death. You're not going to be tortured in hell forever if you land there. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't come to visit. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment. See, the punishment is permanent. The punishing does not go on and on and on throughout eternity. But once they're dead, they're dead, and they're not coming back. The righteousness, but the righteous will go into eternal life. See, the unrighteous are not going into eternal life. They're going into eternal death. And that'll be the end of them. So the king, Jesus, will use a broom that sweeps clean, and he will clean the earth, and it will be purified. Now I want to quickly hit some highlights in Micah chapter 4, verse 1. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and the people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of, God, of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem will be the capital city of the world. The Lord will mediate between peoples and settle disputes between strong nations far away. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Everyone will live in peace and prosperity. That sound good? Enjoying the, their own grapevines and fig trees, for there will be nothing to fear. Jesus is going to take away everything that makes people afraid. The Lord of Heaven's armies has, has made this promise. Though the nations around us follow their idols, we will follow the Lord our God forever. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. There's a whole lot more scriptures than this. But these five are a start. There are many more. And we're going to be talking about that hopefully in the future. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and read more. The, everything is free. I don't have any ads out there or any of that. I'm not trying to get your email. I'm not trying to build me. I'm trying to build you and give you faith. Then I, the Lord, will rule from Jerusalem, he says in verse 7, as their king forever. We can take a lot of comfort from that. He is coming and coming soon. But keep praying and keep looking for him. We'll see you next time, and thank you for tuning in today.